Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Erica Bonser, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Greg Ward. He is a CFP and the Director of Financial Wellness Think Tank at Financial Finesse. Um, he's also the sitting chair of EBRI's Financial Wellbeing Research. Uh, he's no doubt an expert on workplace financial wellness he has developed comprehensive industry standards for designing, delivering, and measuring the ROI of workplace financial wellness programs delivered as an employer-paid benefit. Uh, today, we're going to dive in and discuss how financial finesse is changing financial lives. How's it going, Greg? It's going well, Erica. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. So let's start at the beginning. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. Um, what is financial finesse and how did you get started? Uh, good question. I started in 1994 as a 401k enrollment specialist, got right out of college and started helping people to get started in saving for retirement. So as you can imagine, my entire career, it's been drilled into my head, mm. the importance of saving for retirement and did that for about six years. And I realized that I wanted to really go deeper into helping people with their financial lives. And so I transitioned into the financial advisor uh, universe and enjoyed helping families, helping uh, individuals just plan uh, for financial goals. But I immediately ran into some conflict because my desire was to help everyone. And for a time I was working inside of a bank branch and every person that walked in the door, I had a desire to help them. And as you can imagine, as a financial advisor, um, it generally helps if you're working with investors that actually have money to invest. Mm -hmm. um, but in, in, my, in my zeal to help everyone, I often would spend a lot of time helping people who didn't necessarily have a lot of assets to invest. And, and so over the course of time, I realized that my passion really um, was in helping the individual, but it was gonna be difficult to feed the family um, as a financial advisor. And in 2006, I came across an opportunity to work for a company I'd never heard of before, a company called Financial Finesse. And to be honest, at first, I, I really didn't think it was what it was being uh, suggested it was, which was an opportunity to use my certification as a financial planner uh, to help uh, individuals and, and ultimately not have assets um, and, and sell investment products, but just as, as a, a salaried employee, be able to, to help uh, people in the workforce. And that's, believe it or not, that is what Financial Finesse does, is it, it hires CFP professionals to provide financial guidance to uh, employees as a workplace benefit. And, and so that, that's in a, kind of in a nutshell, the path that I took um, to, to come on board. And I've been here, as, as you, if you do the math, for 14 years, um, and, it, and it's just been an incredible experience. Yeah, and I love that your story involves you wanting to help the individuals that don't have a lot of assets, right? Like those that need help the most is not a very lucrative um, business model when you look at it, but financial finesse is just amazing. I've been on that platform so many times and the wealth of knowledge and the uh, digestible material on there 
really help to turn the financial conversation from an intimidating one to a, to one that we can understand, which is just fantastic. Yeah, Knowing, that, sorry, I just <laughs> that 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 is funny. You should say that because a lot of the people that we speak to, the, the, those those are really comments that we receive from those individuals. Is the ability to take what could be a a, a complex topic or subject, but to bring it down into everyday language. So um, it's funny that that you would say that because it is something we're very intentional about being able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And you're doing such a fantastic job at that. Um, Looking at the time now, right? So many people are suffering financially, right? Individuals, businesses. What is the biggest barrier or biggest barriers um, when it comes to financial security, in your opinion, based off of your experience? As I said, a lot of the people we talk to, they, they bring experiences with them. And some of those experiences are good and, and some of those experiences are not so good. Uh, what, what we try to really look at are some of the, um, some of the psychology and, and the behavioral aspects of managing money. And what we've learned is everyone has some bias toward the way that they manage their money. And, and I would say that that's one of the biggest barriers is people don't recognize what their biases are. And so they don't, Mm -hmm. they don't realize how those biases can sometimes be destructive when it comes to their financial health. So helping individuals almost um, sometimes it feels like therapy where, where you you have to kind of deconstruct a little bit of, well, you know, what, what was it like in your household growing up? How did your parents treat money? How, how do you view money today? I'll share a quick story with you. A few weeks ago, I was talking with a woman who had called. And we, we see this often that sometimes people just picking up the phone and calling to speak to a financial coach can be intimidating because there's mm-hmm. fear that there might be some shame associated with, I, I don't manage my money well, and I don't want people to know that. So it is nice that all of our conversations, they are com- confidential and, and we reassure people that we're not judging them. We're here to help. And so if they can get over that initial shame barrier and reach out to us, then kind of going to what we just said a moment ago, um, instead of feeling like we're on the opposite side of the table with them, we want to come onto the same side of the table where they are Mm -hmm. and really help them to see that we're advocates for their financial health. And so those are the barriers. It's really the psychological barriers uh, that sometimes prevent them from even reaching out. But once they do, uh, we, we do our best to, to really kind of level that playing field to get them to realize there's, there's no guilt or shame here. And I was mentioning this caller. Um, it turns out that she really saw a lot of her own self-worth in how she was managing her money. Mm. And, and, and if you can just imagine how when I heard that and I realized we, we need to stop that. We need to get her to see her self-worth has nothing to do with the way that money's being managed, but that um, it's just in, in her, 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 her self-worth is obviously um, just exists in, in, in her being a person and separating her money from, from that was a real big part of getting her to start seeing um, opportunities to, uh, to manage her money better and separate it from that self-worth. So, so that's just a simple example of, of just some of those barriers that we're, we're seeing when it comes to financial security. Yeah. Would it be safe to assume that 
knowing we all have our own different biases around how we should and should not manage our money. And a lot of them are deep rooted in how our act with money or what our circumstances were growing up that everyone almost like the, the, the new norm is that everyone should go to therapy (laughs) period where before that was kind of a sore subject and nobody really brought that up. I feel like the financial conversation or financial therapy, if for lack of better words, is something that we should embrace and normalize because even looking at the behaviors of our parents and what they did while we were growing up, the times are were different back then. So, you know, we all have our biases, but it is important to acknowledge that this is an integral part for us to be overall mm-hmm. healthy. But is that something to that you would agree with? I, I would agree with that. I think of my father-in-law who wants to keep every financial decision private. And I, I just, I know mm. uh, because I can see some of the decisions that he's making that I wouldn't suggest that he make, but he's not willing to, to allow anyone into that conversation. The truth is that the, the vast majority of Americans, there, there is financial baggage there's there's financial wrecks we, we just need to come clean with this notion that yes we even though we we as a nation are, are fairly wealthy um that doesn't mean we're managing it well and so if we just came with the mm-hmm. assumption that we're all financial messes um but here's opportunities uh we, we become vulnerable and we admit that we're making mistakes and that we could use help uh that removing that stigma of asking for help and allowing it to come in. Um, one of the challenges also is just the fear of, of conflicts of interest. We know there's been a lot of attention in the financial services industry to, to being a fiduciary and, and best interest. So I think bringing all that to light is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think we need the public to understand that financial servants are not here to, to manipulate you. There's bad apples every once in a while, but for the most part, Financial advisors and financial representatives are good people who want to help. So getting past that stigma um, and, and gaining and, and keeping that trust with the American public is so important. And I think what you're suggesting as, a, as an approach would certainly help get us closer to that. Perfect. And I know that there's a bunch of different kinds of offerings that Financial Finesse has to help close what I'm going to call the financial literacy gap. Um, give, give me some other, some other ways that, um, financial finesse or that you would recommend outside of going to see a CFP, um, would help, would help people. Well, I would certainly start in the workplace. We're seeing more and more employers are offering, uh, financial benefits, not, not just the retirement benefits and the health benefits, but benefits with managing your paycheck better. Uh, refinancing debt, student loan uh, benefits, um, even helping to save for emergencies, which is very important, especially in light of COVID-19. So so just starting right. with the employer and, and finding out what are they able to offer um, just, to, just to help bring uh, the management of, of your finances um, into, into place. Um, we, for example, we wanted to make sure when, when the pandemic hit, 
and we knew that there was going to be trouble in many households because of furloughs, cutbacks in hours. Uh, so, so we we made available to the public through their employers what we called the uh, COVID nineteen financial survival kit. And and you can go to our website financialfinesse.com and and it shows up right there. Um, that that is available to the public. It, it's just a a website that. Uh, brings together a number of different resources, depending on whether you're just had a loss of income because of a, a cutback in hours, or if in fact you did lose your job or are on furlough. Um, just just the types of steps that you can take to kind of sure up uh, your finances. There's lots of that stuff out there. Um, so that's just an example of something that we made available. So going through your employer, um, and like I said, check out our website as well, and you've got resources there to help. Yeah. I'll make sure to link that in the show notes uh, so that it's easy for people to find because it's definitely something I highly recommend everyone going on and checking out. I've been using it and it's it's a really amazing comprehensive tool. Um, going to or looking at the employer uh, setting up different programs and, and practices in place to help employees manage their finances. It, that's such an interesting concept. And can you share a story to, to help shine some light for any uh, business owners, organizations out there listening, the benefits of your employees being financially well or fit and the impacts that that can have on your organization? Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent question. And, and something that really needs to be understood is that many uh, of of the employees in the workforce, to one degree or another, are suffering from some level of financial stress. Um, I manage a lot of the data here at Financial Finesse, so I look at this stuff almost daily, and and I can tell you about 15% of the national population says I don't have any financial stress, which means that 85% have at least some degree of financial stress, and about one in five are experiencing high to overwhelming levels of financial stress. And uh, there's been so much research and studies done that kind of show the effect of stress in general, but particularly financial stress and how that can influence um, behavior on the work site. So for example, um, financial stress creates distractions and that can cause on-site accidents mm -hmm. if you're in uh, for example, a manufacturing industry, um, people will spend three to five hours a week dealing with financial problems on the job. So there's a lack of productivity. Uh, we see increases in absenteeism um, for people that are suffering from high degrees of financial stress. It can even affect the bottom line. In other words, people that are under financial stress or, or not, are not financially well um, may be more likely to have garnishments, which is a cost on payroll. Uh, they may not participate in mm -hmm. benefits like their flexible spending or their health savings accounts, which have tax uh, deductions, uh, not only for the employee, but also for the employer. So the bottom line is, is going to be impacted uh, by the financial wellness of the workforce. And um, I'll just give you one kind of quick story. Um, several years ago, I, I took a phone call from a woman who worked in a call center and she was a single mom. She had a couple kids. And uh, you can imagine a call center environment. It's pretty stressful already. Um, but she, mm -hmm. she, was, she was worried that she was going to start missing some payments on some bills just because of some uh, challenges in her 
um, be, between some healthcare issues and other issues. And, and so she, she called and again, she got over the shame factor. She realized she needed some help. So she reached out and, and over the course of several phone calls, um, we were able to kind of, uh, I, I, sometimes I hate to use the expression, but to, we need to sometimes talk people off the ledge to, to remind them that this isn't the end, but this is the beginning. Now that you've kind of identified that there's mm -hmm. challenges, now we can work through those challenges. And um, what was what was amazing after several phone calls and conversations with this individual is I, I sent an email just to check in with her to see how she was doing. And she she sent me an email back. Her favorite movie is The Wizard of Oz. And what mm -hmm. she did is she took the different characters of The Wizard of Oz and basically related them to some of the things that we had talked about. So she talked about how um, she was scared of certain things, but then she, she received courage through our conversations. And then um, she was making decisions that she didn't in her heart feel good about, but we kind of <laughs> re reprioritized those decisions to where now she felt like her heart was in it. And she even referenced me as like the wizard behind the curtain in the sense that she was Dorothy in the story because she recognized that she had all these outside influences that were telling her one thing, but between her and I, I kind of helped her to see she, she had that power and ability within herself to make ch changes that were going to ultimately improve her situation. And it was the most endearing email that I had ever received, but, and it's one I'll never forget, but, but that was just, I think tip of the iceberg, we get hundreds of testimonials monthly from individuals that kind of share the same thing, that they were nervous at first when they started, but working with a financial coach helped them to realize they, they did have the power, they did have the ability to make these changes. And, and, and that's, that's when an employer, when an employer is bringing that benefit to their employee, Imagine how much better that employee now feels about working uh, in, in, in that capacity for that employer. We have so many that are telling us that they appreciate that their employer made that available to them. Um, so, so that's what I want the, the business owners to understand is it's in their best interest, oh. but it's a win-win. It's a win online. It's a win for the employee and their employees much more likely now to stay employed with them. We know there's a high cost to turnover. So if we can right. reduce turnover right. by offering benefits that the employees appreciate, that's a victory for everyone. Oh, that's such a beautiful um, description that she painted there and such a great story. Thank you sure. for sharing that. Um, when I look at, you know, the employer sponsoring, whether it's their time and plan and bringing in financial finesse and, and just bringing in all these different tools that allow the organization to give back to their people. My, my favorite expression is how you do anything is how you do everything. And if you are constantly under financial strain and stress within your life, that stress that you're experiencing outside of the workplace is going to carry with you and um, show up in different behaviors and interactions that you have on behalf of the company. And, you know, let's say that if you have poor spending habits outside and you also have a company credit card, how are you hmm. going to be able to then represent the organization and, and do things 
you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know yeah. It's it's to be disciplined <laughs> in one area is to be disciplined in all areas. So it's true. If you're not disciplined yes. in one area, chances are that lack of discipline is going to carry over in other things. A hundred percent. So I'm curious, last question I have for you, knowing that you get hundreds of or more thousands of calls from individuals, just like that woman that you were discussing, um, what are the top three pieces of advice that you find yourself giving time and time again, or the ones that you feel are just the most important that our audience needs to know now um, in order to make a positive step forward in the right to financial wellness? That's an excellent question. We, we do see finances as uh, you start with foundational things for the longest time at probably going all the way back to the very beginning for me, we've been telling people it's important to set money aside for unplanned events. And then you have something yeah. like COVID-19 come along and it suddenly brings to mind why we want people to have those reserves set aside. So, so just reminding people that it is very important. I, I'm, I'm saying that for a long time, someone might look at emergency savings as a luxury, but as of today, right. now, I think everybody understands it's, it's not a luxury. It's a necessity. It's something that we need to make as much of a priority as almost anything else. So, so reminding people that it, it starts with living within your means. It sounds very cliche, but that's been part of that. If I look at how everybody else lives their lives and then I try to live like them, well, that, that's not necessarily my best interest. So, so getting people to, to understand we want to live within our means and as part of that is making sure that you are setting aside money um, for non-monthly expenses and for emergencies. So that's a very foundational uh, piece of guidance that I am that I always have and will always continue to start with. Um, from there, it's utilizing the benefits that are available to you. For example, that 401k matching contribution, we really should try to arrange our financial uh, behaviors in such a way that we're able to take full advantage of those matching contributions. Mm -hmm. If you have access to a health savings account, um, you know very well the benefits of the health savings account, yet so few people are taking full advantage. They might put in enough just to cover what they expect to spend that year, but very few are contributing beyond that. And even when they do contribute beyond that, very few of them are even investing those dollars for future healthcare expenses. So, so that's another kind of soapbox I like to get on is if they have access to a health savings account, really emphasizing the value of using that uh, really is one of the few completely tax-free benefits that are available to them. Mm -hmm. um, so those, those are, so, as I said, some of the foundational issues. The last thing is when, when uh, February and March came around and the stock market took a very, very fast drop, in case you didn't notice, the market <laughs> dropped quickly. We received a lot of phone calls from people. Um, and, and sadly, there were people who were maybe within a few months or a few years of retirement who, who called, mm. for, you know, and, and they were panicked. But here's the thing. I'm glad they called because we really prevented many of them from completely getting out of the market at a very bad time. So reminding right. people that you, you can't just let your employer default your investments into something and not 
understand that you need to assess your tolerance for risk and you need to understand, is this the right investment strategy for you? Not for your coworker, not for somebody else, but for you. A lot of people will basically make decisions because they see somebody else doing it. It may or may not be the right decision right. for them. So emphasizing the importance of evaluating your risk tolerance and making sure that your investment strategy is appropriate for what is your tolerance for the ups and downs and how close are you, you excuse me, to when you're going to start pulling money out. That, that, that's something else that, again, thankfully, the market has done a pretty good job of coming back in a relatively short amount of time. But who's to say it's not going to quickly drop again? We, we right. need to be helping these people even be prepared for that. I think what I what I could sum those three points up in is everyone should just call you. <laughs> we would love that. Before you do anything, pick up the phone and call someone <laughs> to get a full picture and understanding of what you need to do. All right, Greg, um, is there anything else you would like to share with our audience before we close? Um, I, I think that the the industry continues to evolve technology is um, going to only help. Um, there's a lot of technologies out there, but we're really starting to see how technology can be very useful. Um, making stuff automatic is a good thing. We talk about, for example, saving for emergencies. If you can set up automatic savings, that's a, that's a very important way to do that. Um, the technology I mentioned in helping with asset allocation strategies through things like target date funds. Um, th this, this is a brave new world and it's a, an exciting world. It changes quickly, um, but just remembering kind of those basic things and then just using what's available to you. Um, is, I think if people kind of stick with that and, and, and do that over the course of their career, uh, we're going to see a lot more people with a lot less financial stress and a, a lot more likely to reach their financial goals. Hmm. Where can people go to find you, Greg, or Financial Finesse? Uh, easiest thing is just to visit the website, financialfinesse.com. Um, for those of you that are on the Twitter sphere, you could uh, follow us on Twitter okay. at fin, F-I-N underscore finesse. It's our Twitter handle. Um, we do have a Facebook page at Financial Finesse. And uh, you're welcome to look up uh, in LinkedIn. All our financial coaches um, are on LinkedIn. Uh, so the, the normal... Uh, social media sites is where you can plug in financial finesse. It is a unique name, um, but, but be careful. There are some other, I'll call, I don't want to call them imposters, but there are some companies out there that have very similar sounding names, but there's only one financial finesse. Yes. And I will make sure that um, no one gets that wrong. So <laughs> all of those links I will be putting as um, along with your LinkedIn handle, um, in the show notes, and then we'll be posting this on our social channels so that our audience will be able to interact with us and listen to this amazing conversation um, as easily as possible. Well, thank you so much, Greg, for joining us today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>